Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Certainty Talks. On the show, we talk about the system that we use to get clarity on our goals, certainty that we have the tools to reach them, and wealthy on our terms by rigging the game in our favor. And we share here because we want to help you reach your goals on your terms. You've been told to scale by every product from every each way, often from good meaning people. So it's not your fault when you look around and you ask yourself, why am I not where I want to be in my business? And Paul and I, when we speak here, we're not speaking as experts. I'm crystal clear on that. We're merely sharing our journey uh, as we're building more certainty in our lives. And as Dan Nicholson says, uh, the biggest risk is that we don't get what we want out of life. Yeah, I'm a good friend and business partner here, Mr. Paul Sparks himself, not only a successful real estate investor, but also a certified certainty advisor. And guys, if you get value out of the show, please hit that subscribe button right now. That way we can help more people become wealthy on their terms. Title for today's show is Why Track Record Isn't As Important As You Think. But before we get into that, six word updates. What you got, Paul? Well, six word update today is life is better in the mountains. Uh, <laughs> I just, uh, we were off last week and that's mm -hmm. because I was on a little ski trip. Um, yeah. Had a couple of our mutual friends, uh, uh, Clint Cooper and Ren Bartlett came out to ski with me in uh, Pagosa Springs. And so we had a blast getting up to the mountains and just um, getting away. I told Clint, I'm like, hey, I want that Padley hat. And mm -hmm. he was like, yeah, here you go. And I was like, cool, I'll wear it on a podcast for you. So how far um, is Pagosa from Denver? Uh, it's about four and a half hours. So it's not for, for us here in Colorado. That's not that far to drive. If you're in the Midwest, four, four and a half hours is like not that bad. Uh, really? But it's just because we're used to driving a long way to to find powder. So that's what we were doing. Oh, I just assumed that everything was really close and convenient. So the more you know. Uh, <laughs> my six-word update. First principles, then strategies and tactics. Uh, I got a chance to learn about uh, the Clarity Compass from Nick and Lucas over the weekend, right? So Nick Peterson's got the Guardian Academy. And, you know, I was really fortunate that he's right up the street from me. Literally, his office is like five minutes from here. So... Got to check that out. And it's always refreshing. You know, every time you go to one of his, one of his events, he hits you something over the head with something that uh, you don't see coming. And what he does a great job of is giving language. It's something we know viscerally or we know internally, but we've never been able to put into words. So as he was explaining, it's like, that makes sense. So mm -hmm. he's a master at that. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so anyway, what, what, where I was going with that is that without principles, strategies are relevant and without strategies tactics are irrelevant and then to take a step further without tactics the tools are irrelevant right and uh it's really easy to sell tools right you can build a fantastic business selling tools but the stuff that you and i talk about principles that's not as sexy but it's what makes the biggest difference yeah it doesn't sell as well which is uh <laughs> fine by us you know we're not trying to save everybody yeah, exactly. So what is the problem? Why is track record not as important as we think it is? So I think today we're going to talk about uh, the track record is not, it's a data point, right? Certainly, I would feel more comfortable investing with somebody that has a track record of success, mm -hmm. but it's not everything. and. For a lot of people, a lot of us got into the business in the last, let's say, 10, 15 years, mm -hmm. uh, myself included. And I just have a problem 
when people lean on their tr their their track record mm -hmm. when you've only been in this business for the last 10 12 years let's look at okay what what was going on in the last 10 to 12 years the best bull run market that we've seen in a hundred years mm -hmm. is what's happened right right so to say that you've had an excellent track record and you've done very well in the most favorable conditions possible to me really doesn't say all that much right and so uh it's a data point like great you did really well when you should have done really well mm -hmm. um that in my mind is an expectation uh and not necessarily like a badge of honor so i want to kind of dig into this idea of track record today and not to belittle the people that have done well because you know i lean on my track record too i just want to kind of discuss why if someone is specifically only referencing their track record i think mm -hmm. there needs to be more taken into account than just you've had uh, some really good years yeah it, it kind of sounds like the way i felt when i graduated high school and college like why are we celebrating this we all knew this was going to happen yeah we all knew i was going to graduate high school we all knew right depending on your upbringing but not graduating college was never an option right like if it took me eight years to graduate college like i was, I was going to graduate college that's just the expectation. Mm -hmm. So like, why do we have to celebrate this? And so what you're saying is, yeah, like if you get the win in your back for all these years, you're supposed to do well. Yeah. And it's just, it's, I, I want to break. There's a lot of things I kind of want to touch on today. Sure. And, and to start off, um, this idea that we have a tendency, I think to attribute, like we're going to talk about luck today. Mm -hmm and the effects of randomness uh so it might get a little like nerdy because steve and i are kind of nerdy at mm -hmm. least i am um so you know if you're listening to this show it's probably because you like that stuff so first thing a point i want to make is that i've noticed that and and i'm not exempt from any of this first of all so mm -hmm. let me just I, like i am oftentimes the worst offender for some of these things i have a tendency to attribute success to skill Mm -hmm. look how look how great and skillful i was and great decision making right we attribute success to skill we attribute failure to bad luck mm -hmm. it just didn't work out the way we wanted to some things didn't go our way that we weren't expecting it was bad luck in a lot of cases right right have you, have you mm -hmm. noticed that that people oh, have yeah. a tendency to do that oh it's bad luck market conditions who's the president right i mean there's all sorts of external reasons why we didn't get the outcome we thought we were going to get it was outside of your control and it was you know bad luck ultimately is mm -hmm. why we had that bad year but when we look at the good years we don't like to attribute that to good luck we got lucky or were the genius that it went well yeah we wanted we want to own it it's like well no one likes to think that they benefited mm -hmm. from good luck right um but we all would rather attribute bad luck to um uh randomness I, anyways my point with this is let's let's challenge that idea today sure let's challenge that idea today now enter the nerd information right mm -hmm. so I, I we were both engineers in college um and i i was an industrial engineer we got poked fun at uh called we were called the imaginary engineers because we were like you know like <laughs> what do you guys really do over there um and uh we did stuff nerdy stuff like we studied normal distribution so mm -hmm. what a normal distribution is if you guys have ever seen a bell curve you know a bell curve well you know it's that symmetrical curve where you've got 
Um, you know, the teacher says, hey, you know, we want to see a certain number of people above this line. We want to see a certain number of people uh, below this line. Well, I studied things like normal distributions, uh, Six Sigma. You guys have probably heard of Six Sigma. And so this is the idea of like, we use this in manufacturing, but mm -hmm. this is perfectly applicable to what we're talking about today. So I want to illustrate like a, um, like a tangible example so we can start talking numbers. So let's say over the last 10 years, there were 100,000 people that flipped houses, tried to flip houses, mm -hmm. right? So if you map this out on a, on a bell curve, if you're not familiar with Six Sigma, basically what the Sigma uh, um, is, a, it's a standard deviation away from the mean. So it's like a certain percentage of people in that distribution are going to fall within one Sigma from the mean, and then two Sigmas from the mean, and then three Sigmas for the mean. Two sigmas away from the mean captures 95% of that distribution, which means 95% of people are going to fall. So 95,000 out of that 100 are going to fall in the middle. But then you've got the, out, the outer tails, right? So mm -hmm. two and a half on one side, two and a half on the other side. So again, using real numbers here. If we're talking about 100,000 people that flipped houses over the last 10 years, 2,500 people knocked it out of the park they like crushed it and outperformed significantly outperformed everyone else mm -hmm. then there was another 25 uh 2500 people that just got crushed they got blown up completely blown up their lives are uh probably in shambles right now maybe it's divorce financial ruin whatever mm -hmm. but if you take a hundred thousand people and you have a normal distribution that's kind of how it's gonna uh, land you're gonna have 2500 that did really well 95 thousand that are going to be in the you know kind of the middle between the two sigmas and then another 2500 that did really well we good yeah. so far yep okay who is it that we hear from most when we look at that normal distribution uh probably just above zero and like half sigma i would say probably in the 0.2 sigma the 0.8 sigma range it's probably who who's the loudest yeah you're you're not hearing from the 2500 that failed in most cases no right you're you're probably hearing a lot from the middle ground right there mm -hmm. who are sort of pretending like they're in the top 2500 this is where a lot of the embellishment and exaggeration comes mm -hmm. in but we see these numbers from people that have done really well on on social media right they've they've crushed it and I guess what I'm trying to say is like, that's not surprising to me that a certain percentage of people did really, really well, regardless of how good their decision-making was. Yeah. Right? Like you're in any normal distribution, if you have 100,000 people that try to flip, it really doesn't matter what happens. You're going to have 2,500 people that had massive success and it really had very little to do with anything other than the fact is they got lucky. Yeah. Well, we're saying the 2,500 got lucky or we're saying the, uh, the people uh, in the middle of the curve got lucky? I'm saying that the entire process mm -hmm. is the every single person is, is subject to uh, the idea of randomness. Right. right? So if you took 100,000 people as a dice, mm -hmm. you know, and rolled this dice... With this normal distribution, you're going to see 2,500 people that just blew it out of the water. Right. 
you're going to see 9,500 or 95,000 that are going to fall in this middle range. Mm -hmm. And you're going to see 2,500 that get blown up. Yeah. But I would argue that if you were in the top, because like, uh, if you look at three Sigma, I think it's one in a thousand, right? It's kind of where you're at. So if you're up there, there has to be more skill than luck at that point. Sure. I'm not saying that there's not uh, there. So I guess all I'm trying to say is if you laid all this out, you're going to have some people that are going to do really well, regardless mm -hmm. of skill or anything. Right. right. They're going to do well because that's how dice works. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, just well, like with winning the, the way I'm picturing this. Right. Uh, because they don't all have equal amounts of success. When we're talking about the guys that crush it is they're having like phenomenal success. And they're repeat winners. Yeah. But let's also consider the time frame in which we're measuring this, mm -hmm. right? So are we talking about this over a 30-year career? Or are we talking mm -hmm. about this in the last 10 years? Yeah. Because market mean, conditions were favorable for everyone in the last 10 years. Right? right. No, no doubt. No doubt. But I would just say like the 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 towering differences. There should be towering difference in results, right? Like like magnitudes of orders of magnitudes of like they did like a thousand times better. I don't know what the math would be, right? But they did like a thousand times better than the average person. I don't sure. know what the actual numbers would be. Just throwing that well, out there. Well, so I, I want to just first establish the concept of a normal distribution, yeah. right? And that like, if you have 100,000 people and, you know, again, there's lots of nuances to this. So yeah. it's not like saying everyone had the exact same conditions it's just like saying if you have a hundred thousand flippers with a normal distribution you're going to have a certain percentage that crush it so yeah, let's just establish sure. that yeah the second thing i want to talk about is something called survivorship bias you ever mm -hmm. heard of this yeah so we have a tendency to look at the people that did really well mm -hmm. and assume that that is like the norm i guess and mm -hmm. and maybe a way that i you know it's, um, it's the right way to do things it's the right yeah, it's the right way, way to, yeah well said. So uh, I was reminded of a story recently by one of our whale club members, Nick Cooley, mm -hmm. um, a friend of mine, close friend of mine. And he was talking to me about this story from World War II. So, you know, in World War II, this was like, I think in Japan, we had all these planes that were, they would go out and they would, um, some of them would get shot down. Some of them would come back with bullet holes. Mm -hmm. And so what would happen is you'd have these planes come back and you'd see all these bullet holes all over the plane. And so what people were saying was, well, great. Well, let's just reinforce the planes where all of these bullet holes are, because this is where they're all getting shot. So let's let's make it so that, you know, the bullets, um, it's, it's harder to penetrate the plane in these places. But some really smart guys uh, at some Ivy League school were basically like, I think you have that backwards. Mm -hmm. The planes that come home, where there's bullet holes, they weren't fatal, clearly. So you're not actually looking for where are there holes. You're looking for where are there not holes. Right. Because where there aren't holes is where they didn't get shot, which means they didn't get shot down. So it, it's like we have a tendency towards a survivorship bias. Mm -hmm. And that's really like, in my mind, the best example of survivorship bias that I've seen. You know, it's, it's, uh, they're better off reinforcing the gaps between the holes. Right. Than they are reinforcing where the holes, because clearly it didn't, it didn't wreck the plane. Yeah. So just to reiterate, we 
tend to engineer based off of, okay, here are the holes on the plans that came back. Let's make sure this doesn't happen again. And a smarter person came along and said, uh, we're fixing the wrong parts of the plane. Let's fix the parts of the plane where there are no holes because clearly that, those are the fatal blows. Right. So, you know, this shows up, like how does this, how does this relate to the conversation we're having today? Well, it means we might be looking at all the planes, all the people that have done well in the last mm -hmm. 10 years, you're looking at these planes, you know, mm -hmm. these people's businesses that have planes and you're saying, well, let's do it exactly how they did it. Mm -hmm. You know, like they've got all these bullet holes. So let's try to prevent those problems from happening. Right. But frankly, it has, it's like the opposite. It's the inverse of that. You know, what mm -hmm. we really need to be doing is looking at what did they, not what did they do well, you know, great. There's a bullet hole there. It's mm -hmm. not, we need to reinforce that. It's like, how do we prevent ourselves from getting hit in areas that they didn't hit? So we spend all this time trying to build our businesses to plug the bullet holes that we see from other people's businesses. Mm -hmm. When meanwhile, that's a survivorship bias, right? You know, it's the gaps in between that they didn't get shot in these places, which is why the plane didn't go down, you know? Mm -hmm. So maybe it was some major market upheaval. Like, how does that relate to what we're saying here? It means um, if over the last 10 years, you survived that time period and mm -hmm. you have some scars to show it, what I would argue is that it was the stuff that didn't hit you in the places that could have killed you. Right. Yeah, so that, I think... Um really probably a better thing to look at is everyone that got crushed and look at the things that, that they did do that got them crushed, right? Because in this story here, with the planes, we can't go recover the wreck and rebuild it to where they were right around the time they got wrecked. And we can't find all the guys that got crushed because they're not vocal. Right. Right. Um, but this is basically what Jim Collins did with uh, From Good to Great. I think From Good to Great is, is the one that he, he looked at all the companies side by side, right? They started around the same time. They were in the same industry. But these guys, 100x returns or 1,000x returns, these guys did not. And what did they have in common? And more importantly, what did they not have in common? Yes. And that's what they can see is like, okay, this is... So I think what he did was he did a really good job of avoiding the, the survivorship bias then we're talking about here. Yeah. You're nailing it, man. That's, and I'm, you know, this is really the first time I've like, I've been reading a lot about this. We've been talking about this in Whale Club, but this mm -hmm. is the first time I've spent, you know, we'll spend like 45 minutes to an hour talking about it. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's this idea that you don't learn a ton from the planes that come back that have bullet holes in them because mm -hmm. they didn't kill. They, I mean, it, it didn't take the plane down. Right. Right. If the whole point is to avoid getting, your plane shot down mm -hmm. we actually learn a lot more from the planes that did get shot down than right. the from the ones that didn't well and there's uh i would say this is a benefit to being in a mastermind because you can see the ones that aren't there anymore so like there's no reports of everyone that failed but you can kind of see the ones that aren't around anymore and just kind of go back to like you know what were their problems what were their challenges what were they unable to overcome it's mm -hmm. not scientific anecdotal but there's something there you know and it goes back to like the way that we start this show it's like preventing bad things from happening mm -hmm. you know um so if we want to prevent our plane from getting shot down aka our business from blowing up we want to start looking at not the people that survived mm 
-hmm. Not necessarily, right? Yes, that's great. But what if they just got lucky? They got shot up. Their plane got shot up. Yeah, but it didn't hit any fatal points. Mm -hmm. And maybe they're saying, look how great of a pilot I am. Mm -hmm. Didn't get shot down. It's like, so you're telling me that you like dodged and avoided these bullets because you're so skilled? Or Mm -hmm. is it more likely that everybody gets shot? It's just that some people get shot in a fatal place. Right. So we're better off, I think, trying to learn from not necessarily the people who have this amazing track record. Cool. Your plane got shot 20 times and you didn't die. Like, that's awesome. I'm happy that you made it back. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you were extremely skilled Mm -hmm. to get there. It could have just been effects of a random and normal distribution. Right. Yeah, there is... um... And I think, again, it was Jim Collins talks about, like, everyone has luck, right? Everyone gets, you know, over, over, over a long period of time, everyone has equal amounts of good luck and bad luck. It's what you do with the good luck and what did you do about the bad luck, mm. right? And it goes back to what you were saying. It's like, well, you know, the president did this, right? Or um, interest rates. Or uh, uh, I got embezzled, or I had a partner, or um, you know these deals that died, whatever that were going to change everything, you know. So the good luck and bad luck is what we're saying here: is that we all have luck. Potentially, the guys that are still crushing it are the ones that didn't get, or either one of two things: either the bad luck, they were prepared for it, or B. They didn't get that particular bad luck that spun someone else out. Yeah. I mean, you're, that's, a, that's exactly the point I think we're, we're trying to come across with today is luck. Everyone kind of, everyone gets a roll of the dice, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's two things. One is you can be a smart pilot and plug the areas that not that like it's you're reinforcing the areas that if you got shot there, mm-hmm. it would take your plane down. You know, forget about the bullet holes that are in other people's planes. Yeah, clearly it didn't kill them. So I guess it's okay to get shot there, you know? Right. What we really want to do is we want to learn how to engineer luck, engineer situations where we benefit long-term. So it's not like saying someone with a great track record just got lucky. That's not the point I'm trying to make. I'm just saying that everyone is affected by a random normal distribution. And so the people that consistently get luck get lucky over and over and over and over Mm -hmm. well it could be pure luck it could be pure luck you know they just the plane that went out they just didn't get happened to happen to get shot in a place that took them down right that's 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 going to happen a certain percentage of the time regardless of how good of a pilot you are Mm -hmm. but there's also things you can do as a pilot to prevent yourself from being exposed to these areas that could take you out right right so what so, are those? Well, I mean, it's 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 total ruin, right? Mm-hmm. I think when we're thinking about our business, we say things like, oh, I didn't expect the market to shift or, oh, I didn't expect to get screwed by this person or, oh, I didn't expect to this. And it's like, so you went out in a plane in war and you didn't expect to get shot at? Mm-hmm. Like, that's going to happen, right? So <laughs> first <news>. off is <laughs> let's not pretend that we're not going into battle here. I keep using this plane example because I think it's just so relevant. Like we are flying a plane into a battle when you go out into business, you know, mm-hmm. and you're going to get shot at. 
So there's two ways you can look at this. One is you can just cross your fingers and hope that you don't get shot in the bad in bad places. Or two, you can recognize that uh, the real way to make it back is to prevent getting shot in places. Or if you do get shot in a place that could take you out, that you've got reinforcement there. So you give yourself the best you know, opportunity to survive that. And so it, it just comes back to like we place too much emphasis on track record and don't necessarily let that be the only data point that you look at. Just because someone flew a plane out into battle and came back does not necessarily mean that they didn't just get lucky, right? right? So they're not the same thing. And so that's why I kind of, when someone immediately is talking to me about, hey, I've got this deal, you know, I'm a townhome developer. That's kind of my thing, mm -hmm. right? So I'm looking for people to invest in. I'm looking to raise capital for a lot of these deals. If I get somebody who's talking to me only about their track record, I know for a fact that they're relying too much on luck, mm -hmm. right? It's not just that you've had 10 successful projects in a row. It's like, what are you doing to prevent yourself from getting shot in these fatal places? That's really what I want to hear in these conversations. Yeah. Yeah. So are these questions then, like, what did you do? How did you make sure, you know, bad things don't happen? Ask probably a lot more eloquently. Um, but I mean, I come to you, Paul, look, I've done 10 different projects. I've been highly successful. So that's the reason why you should work with me. What are some follow-up questions to test whether, you know, battle test isn't right, we're ready for war. That they're reinforced in the right places, I guess, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a really good question. Um, and I'm kind of in the process of, I, I think I realized this fairly recently. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't mean to, I don't, we, we start this show off. It's like, we're not experts, yeah. you know? Um, but what I've realized is that the survivorship bias is real. Mm -hmm. You can't just look at the, pe at the planes that came back and think like, oh, wow, great. Um, that must be how to run a business. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, okay, but what are the risks and it comes back to creating an asymmetric bet. We use this phrase a lot. You know, in my mind, the asymmetric bet means that your downside risk relative to your upside gain is significantly lower. So you've got very low risk of total ruin mm -hmm. and very high opportunity for upside if it goes well. And this is just not a sexy way to to like approach things. It's not a dope. Like you started off with your six word update talking about tactics and strategies. Mm -hmm. Well, this is a first principle, I right. guess, right? Preventing bad things from happening and learning how to appreciate when bad things don't happen is a skill set that is not natural for most of us, yeah. right? And you almost come across as a Debbie Downer, as like a, oh, well, all you think about is the bad stuff from happening. It's like, well, if all I can do, if all I, in this flight that we're about to make, uh -huh. if I can prevent getting killed by reinforcing the engine or the fuselage or whatever, you know, if I can take these steps and prevent that total ruin, then I can get shot in other places and it's not going to kill me. Right. Right. So I truly believe business is less about, and this, maybe this comes across as a defensive strategy. But if you're riding a plane into war, I'm trying to avoid getting shot down. Just like with my business, I'm trying to avoid the situations where that lead to catastrophic or total ruin. Yeah. And I can say, you know, asymmetric best of the upside. It's not a sexy concept, right? Initially, 
But I can tell you right now, I am very excited about asymmetric bets. This <laughs> everything I'm doing, I was like, well, a lot of upside, very little downside. What are the downside? Well, we're still collecting, right? Uh, still collecting, right? We're doing. We talked about the white label sell services. We're. I asked someone yesterday, right? Some more, like poke some more holes in this, and they did. It was great. Now I'm more prepared for it. So, um, but yeah, I'm very excited about asymmetric bets because I know it's going to get me closer, faster to where I want to go. Yeah, it's true. Um, to answer your question, you said like, what do you, what do you look at? Mm -hmm. um, I guess I'm getting back to the whole, if somebody's leading with, look at my track record. Mm -hmm. I've been successful in the past, therefore I'm going to be successful in the future. Um, what's the first thing we, we know when we talk about investments? It yeah. almost says this on every single investment that you ever make. Every perspective. What does it say? Previous results did not uh, uh, indicate or, uh, was it? Previous results do not predict future results or something like that, right? Something um, like that, exactly. And you know, you talk about like zoomed in and zoomed out. Like what's really fascinating is if you look at like where are the best performing stocks or mutual funds in the last year? Very different than where are the best performing mutual funds for the last three years. It's very different. Where are the best performing mutual funds for the last 10 years? And what's fascinating is if you look at it every year, it's gonna be very different, right? So like where you zoom in, where you zoom out, uh, the events, the industry, they all make a huge difference. Mm -hmm. They do. And it's that, that's it. It's like past performance is not indic indicative of future results or whatever however that says. Yeah. And so when I see somebody putting way too much emphasis on their past results, mm -hmm. I'm like, but that has nothing to do with, like, what if you get shot in the engine? Like you hadn't been shot in the engine. Mm -hmm. So tell me more about what are you doing to prevent bad things from going wrong? Um, how do we prove like another way of saying this maybe is like, what are our multiple exit strategies? If, if option a doesn't work, what's option B, um, or, uh, you know, again, I can just speak directly to townhome stuff. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, you have somebody that has a great track record and they want to do some new thing in some new place where no one's ever done this before. It's like, well, there's a lot more risk on that. Right. Um, so or, what are you doing to remove as much risk as possible? Yeah. Well, it's also, I think you can, you can tell in the language too, right? Like one of the big eye-opening uh, ideas was, you know, the emphasis on tools and tactics. We we're talking about the clarity compass. And once I understood the tools and tactics better in, the, in this perspective, I realized, oh, that's the reason why everyone goes out with just a hammer, right? Like I'm just a cash buyer. And I think that's a great place to start, right? or I just buy creative, or I just do this, I just do that, this is my only exit. Like how many things are you forcing, right? Mm -hmm. Versus being receptive and open, it's like, okay, if I do this, here are a few different ways I can exit this. As you get seasoned, obviously it's not what you do in the very beginning, but I see so many people try to pigeonhole tactics and mm -hmm. force this tactic when maybe either A, a different tactic might be appropriate, or B, if this is your only tool, you might want to reinvest in your tool belt. It's also just an underlying assumption that this worked before, so it's going to work again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of my favorite authors, and I know you, you've read this book too, is Nassim Taleb. And he talks about in this, uh, he's, he's got a concept he calls the black swan. It's, you know, most people have probably heard this. Mm -hmm. 
It's the unknown unknowns. It's the thing that you couldn't have predicted before it happened. But we know that these things happen at a certain interval, like black swans that have happened in the in the past, 9-11, the 2008 financial crash, COVID. Like, mm-hmm. could have never predicted those things. But what we do know for sure is that something unpredictable is going to happen. So that's also back to the survivorship bias. You're saying, well, this thing, you know, this worked before. And it's going to work in the future because it worked in the past. And and again, it's like, but what happens if the, condi- the conditions change? Mm-hmm. What happens if COVID hits? What happens if some unknown unknown occurs? And so, again, this is just why I think that we have a tendency to attribute success to skill and failure to bad luck. Because we'll say things like, well, I could have never predicted that this guy was going to steal money from me because it never happened before. Mm-hmm. Or I could have never predicted that COVID was going to happen and it was going to completely shut down our deal flow for months at a time. And I could have never predicted that. So. You know, it's like, but we know these things happen with a regularity. So if you're not accounting for the unknown unknown, Mm -hmm. you could be leaving yourself exposed. So I guess the whole point of today's show really is like track record is a data point. I'm, I'm more comfortable investing with somebody that has a, as a stronger track record, Mm -hmm. but I'm less comfortable with somebody. If that's all that they're talking about, if the emphasis is on, Look how great, look how, look how much, um, look how well I've done in the past. Mm -hmm. Therefore I'm going to do well in the future. Yeah. It's like that, that mindset, in my opinion, it leaves you exposed to randomness and to black swans. Yeah. And I, I mean, I kind of like, like Eddie speed, right? That guy survived like four or five different crises. That guy's like a track record. I, I am so grateful that I can pick up the phone and call him at any time. Right. But he's seen all the bad things. I mean, he's the one that says in the mastermind, don't do that. You'll go to jail. (laughs) Yeah. Because timeline matters. Right, Steve? Yeah. It's like track record means more to me on a longer time frame Mm -hmm. than it does to someone that's telling me that they've done well in the last 10 to 12 years. I'm like, but... (laughs) But that's not the same thing as a track record. You know, you're talking about like blue sky, favorable conditions. Mm-hmm. You've done well. And and that's great that you have, but you haven't been exposed to the market cycles, which is why we should be looking for the guys with gray hair. You should mm-hmm. be looking for the weathered guys that have scars all over them because they've, they've made it through multiple market cycles. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean that they won't experience another black swan. Right. But and it could blow them up. But don't listen to Mount Stupid. Right. But don't be <laughs> on top of Mount Stupid just because you did well in a time where, I mean, I'll be honest, you should have done well. Right. Yeah. It's uh, trying to think like what for the audience, right, that wants to discern, how can they tell that this guy is ready? I mean, you and I can tell, right? Because we're talking about the language. You know, what do you do to prepare yourself? Uh, how long have you been doing this? Um, but like for someone that's listening to this, like what questions can they ask or what perspectives should they be looking out for to make sure that, you know, it's not just the track record, that there's something else there to know that this is the right person to work with. 
So we call this in our certainty operating system, we call this the parenting frame, mm -hmm. right? So parents out there, if you're a parent, you probably don't want bad things to happen to your kids, right? Just like if you're running a business, you don't want bad things to happen inside of your business. Right. So inside the parenting frame, we have two things that we focus on. We call them uh, preventive and detective controls. It means back when I was an engineer and we were looking at manufacturing processes or logistic processes, it was like, how do we prevent defects from happening in the first place? How do we prevent bad things from happening? Because that's we don't want that, you know? Um, so that's what I'm looking for is what are you doing to prevent things that maybe they haven't ever happened before, but we've got a contingency plan to prevent this from the first place. And if we can't prevent it, we want to be able to detect it as quickly as possible. We got a problem here, guys, right? That's what we want to be able to say. And I'm more interested in working with people that are opening up the conversation around, here's how we're going to prevent this deal from going bad. Because if we can just prevent all the bad things from happening, it's like, as Dan said, if you can prevent uh, all the downside, all you're left with is upside. Yeah. And just think right now, like everyone that got crushed in Airbnbs. Mm. Well, they had one strategy. Airbnb was the only exit. And if you can't Airbnb it, kind of screwed. I'm thinking about all these guys buying creatively that are cash flowing maybe, but don't have equity, but they're buying a discounted rate, which I respect a wholesale rate, right? 3%, whatever. But man, they are not prepared if something bad happens. You know, the best thing for a defense, this is what I learned from Marcus Krigler. The best defense you can have for people like you and me, you just have a million dollars in the bank account. A million dollars in a bank account, you can withstand just about anything, right? Except right. for embezzling. I guess that's what we were talking about earlier. You got to make sure that doesn't happen, you know, set some preventive controls on that uh, to prevent that. But, um, so I know we're belaboring the point here, but you know, we look around, you look around, like there's a reason why, you know, Eric Brewer created uh, the, the innovations and in brewer method, right? It's having these multiple exit strategies. So, you know, having multiple exits gives you more uh, nimbleness, more agility. And again, what we were saying earlier, let's look at not what the great ones do, although that's still important to know. But let's look at where people got crushed. And the people that haven't hurt badly mostly had one exit strategy or had very little cash reserves. So all the Airbnb guys, unfortunately, that were relying on Airbnb, and that was their only exit, a lot of them experienced a lot of pain in the last year and a half. A lot of guys that are doing sub two or some other creative de uh, deal with minimal cash flow and low equity, they're just a couple of bad tenants away from being in a really bad spot, right? Um, and then what was the, just as important, Steve, or selling to like, a hedge fund? So like, but what they'll say is like, yeah, but it's been working. And look at how many deals I've done. Mm -hmm. We've done 100 transactions and nothing's gone wrong. Yeah. So this is, I think, the ultimate point that we're trying to drive at today is like track record is not as important as you think that it is. Mm -hmm. Because just because something worked under certain conditions doesn't mean that it will work in the future, right. even under those same conditions. And or if the conditions change, you know, that's what I'm more interested in is the people who are thinking about the preventive and the detective controls right. like how do we prevent ourselves from 
getting the plane shot down, you right. know? And instead of looking at the places where the plane got shot and it didn't take the plane down, that's a survivorship bias. And that's really all that we're saying. Yeah. So track record is is a little bit, you leave yourself open to survivorship bias when you just look at the people that have done well. And I mentioned the normal distribution. Like, well, guess what? Just from a straight luck, pure perspective there's going to be a certain number of people that have done really well regardless of the conditions yeah well and but it's always worked it's always been done this way everything works until it doesn't and like there's a few things we can rely on right the sun will come up every day you can bet on that one but aside from that <laughs> everything is subject to time and randomness yep yeah. um so you guys, if you're listening to this today, uh, I would just I would just encourage you to uh, not get so fixated on the fact that you see somebody on social media that's touting their track record and look how successful this is, look how easy this was. Not saying that they're not making great decisions, but remember that we have a tendency to attribute success to skill and we have a tendency to attribute failure to bad luck. And very rarely are we attributing success to luck and and failure to poor decision making. Yeah. You, should know? Have, you should have seen that one coming. <laughs> it, it doesn't it doesn't yeah. normally go the other way around. So yeah. yeah, that's just my point. I've been thinking a lot about track record this week. And yeah. what that means is if you don't have a strong track record, it doesn't mean that you aren't capable of flying that plane into battle and not getting shot down. It just means let's think about how do we prevent you know, the preventive and the detective controls, as we call in the certainty operating uh, system, the parenting frame. Mm -hmm. And if you like this kind of stuff, this way of thinking about life and business, I would encourage you to go pick up a copy of the book, Rigging the Game. What we do in Whale Club and in basically this podcast every week is we talk about the tools and the frameworks that we got from that book. And we use those frameworks and what we talk about on this show is what we call case in points, the examples, the real life examples of how we're using these things. So again, if you want to learn more about this stuff, I highly encourage you to go pick up that book, Rigging the Game. I think it's like five bucks and it'll give you a sense of how we are now learning to approach business. And it's not from these rose colored glasses of look how great we've done in the past. Therefore we should do great into the future. It's because that's a bias. That's a survivorship bias. Mm -hmm. Right. And we want to start, um, analyzing our life and our business from a perspective of a level head and not allow these biases to influence our decisions. Yeah. Perfectly said. So hopefully you guys got a lot out of this. Um, it's, a uh, some nerd talk, but I think it's valuable nerd talk and, uh, we will see you guys next time. Bye everyone.